Good early morning, ladies and gentlemen. Casual Talk Radio is back with another episode here. Gentlemen's World, thank you for listening to us today. Got some interesting topics. Going to go through those. Let's go ahead and get the particulars out of the way, and then we'll jump into our internal updates for those curious, and then follow on with our topic for today. CasualTalkRadio.net is the site. Check us out. We're making changes. There's still some more changes that are forthcoming. Ties to my internal updates, but just so you know, CasualTalkRadio.net, if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, feedback, links at the top to contact us comes directly to me. I read each and every one of them. Happy to hear from the listeners. Make sure that we're on track and just see what we're doing. You also can listen to our audio directly from the site. So if you don't have an app or you like to listen from the web, that's a great place to do so. You can still listen from anchor.fm, which is our host, but casualtalkradio.net now does have a player where you can play directly from the site and it'll follow you as you navigate through the site. Check it out when you get a moment. Let's go ahead and get into our internal news here. The rental market is all kinds of jacked up out here, folks. And it ties to my endeavor slightly, but it's separate too, because I've always wanted to get out of Nevada. That's been kind of my priority and still is my priority. I maintain that I need to get that out of here. It looks like I'm going to be stuck here for the span of July for sure, because what I'm running into now, it's weird. I talked about how rent, it's just this bizarre, you know, they're asking all these weird things they've never asked for before. I did some search and turns out this was intentional. Basically what they've done is they've made their requirements more rigid, which to me is counterintuitive, right? Because if you're trying to avert homelessness, you're trying to make sure people get into a home. I don't think you should be able to add layers of needless things. Like it should ultimately come around to one question. Can you pay me to live in my place? Number one, number two, you know, if you're like a hardened criminal or something, I'm just going to keep closer eye on you and do inspections or whatever I got to do. Instead, it's, well, you know, you got to have this, like I had one, they said, well, you need to have five times the rent. Well, I, I actually do, but it's stupid. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't solve anything because then there's another layer when you go to apply and it's like, well, based on the application, you need to have a, you know, if you're a student, let's say you'd have to have a guarantor. If you're not a student, you'd have to have a co-signer. Well, the problem with this is if I had enough money, which I do to pay for five months of a lease, what does it matter? Like if we talk risk, the risk in this upfront five times the rent is that you're going to be able to pay five times the rent and that you can, you're receiving money on a regular basis. Well, if I have five times the rent in the bank account now and I'm offering to pay it to them, but they still won't accept it because of this arbitrary requirement that they've only introduced because of COVID, that's kind of what I'm running into now. Well, I came across this, this uh, complex and it was a great chat and he was cool to work with. And he said, yeah, just go ahead and put the application in there. It's unfortunately in the neighboring state. So I, I'm forced to be in the state where the client is under their, requ- their request. I can't be in a neighboring one. So then I thought about, well, temporarily go to a neighboring one or go to the one I want to go to, which is Missouri. But then the problem is that if the rent is significantly high, I'm right back where I started, which is like right now they want me to renew and it's like $2,000, which I'm like, it's not going to work for me, brother. So then I'm, then I have to do month to month. Some of them aren't even offering month to month anymore. They want long-term. My current one, they're only going to offer the discount lease if I go for 18 months, which is a joke. So it's, It's a weird, bizarre world out there. And that's why I said that, you know, I may just have to bite the bullet and buy. But in the meantime, my current lease expires in October. I wanted to minimize how much I paid them by getting into a new place somewhat sooner than that. 
but it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to do that. So I'm certainly going to be here for the span of July because I can't find in the place the client needs me to be the places that are willing to say, you know what, we understand COVID was a thing. As long as you got the money to pay us, we're good to go. We'll work past the rest. In some cases, you can do arrangements like if your complex that you're in right now has other entities in those other places, you can do a transfer. Mine actually offers that, but they don't have business in the place that I need to go. Then I assumed, I guess probably naively, that the place that I needed to go was a little bit more advanced. Most of the houses that are out there, so I was looking at houses first, and they're just, they're ragged. You know, we're talking from the 1920s and just old, you know, they ripped out all the carpet. It's nothing but hardwood. They're dark. Uh, they don't, some of them don't have central air conditioning. Some of them don't have central heating. Some of them don't have heating at all, even though they're, you know, covered in snow. Like it's this weird that I've never seen before because from California, it's hard to find a place that doesn't have central heating and air. It's like a standard, even though you don't necessarily need the heating all the time. They realize the builders, you know what? It let the person who lives here choose what they're going to use. They have to pay for it anyway. In Oregon, they just choose not to do air conditioning. Washington State choose not to do air conditioning. Colorado was good about it. They had both heating and air. It was very nice. California was really good about it. From what I recall, Texas was decent about it, but I could be wrong. It's been a while since I've been out there. And Arizona was really good about it. But up here, which I'm not disclosing, but up here, just this bizarre thing where they refuse to provide amenities that I want. That's number one. Or two, they put all these hoops if it is a nice place. And then the worst, number three, I'll find a decent place, but then they want like some places like $6,000 a month, which ain't going to work because while I could technically pay it, it's a principle of the thing. So that's where I'm at is renting. Renting is a bizarre thing right now. And I don't know why it is because it doesn't make any sense for it to be. And I got to figure out what the plan's going to be going forward. I'm probably going to end up having to pay for the month of August here because I don't see, I can't anticipate that I'm going to find a place up there in any sort of thing. I can do an adjacent all I care to, but according to the rules here, it needs to be local to them. So, but they haven't pushed me hard, but I still want to get it done because I want to get out of here. Like I have these multiple motivations. Meanwhile, on the car search, I said I was going to potentially buy a car. So I was doing the search and I found a car that was really decent, nice. And I gave him an offer Basically, I said, you know, can you, because the taxes are kind of high here. So I said, can you give me the price out the door? Meaning drop the price enough that with the taxes, it comes up to the same. Didn't hear back on that one. There was another one I offered a, basically a, I could pay you half down and then pay you the half next month, finance it in-house. He didn't get back to me, but then he eventually sold the car to somebody else. Uh, there's another one that I've got out, haven't heard back on that one. So even buying a car, like it's like, well, I got money to pay you if you want to do that. Can't even get responses on that. It's a bizarro land, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm not sure what to make of it, frankly, and what it's going to bode for the future. In the last episode, I had talked about finding the state that had some common sense, and I found that state. Unfortunately, because I have to be local to the client and other factors, that's not going to work out. This got me thinking about the topic that I wanted to go through because it somewhat aligns because of things I've done in the past. What was happening recently, I'd say probably late 2021 or so, there's this witch hunt, and I can only describe it as such because I think it's irrelevant to the core. There's always been this push to criticize anybody who has paper wealth. By paper wealth, I mean their tax filings. And whenever they happen to file a bankruptcy of some kind, 
they criticize them because they feel like bankruptcy is avoiding your debts. And unfortunately, as I've said, at least in the United States, our education system fails people. Well, to the point that it doesn't really educate you about how financial really works, how taxes really work, and why the law is what it is. Because I think that if it did a better job, people would understand that everything that's in the law is for you to take advantage of. And it's not the person, you know, don't hate the player, hate the game. It's not the person that you should be angry at. It should be the fact that the law is there. The reason that they're not is because they know as an individual that's not wealthy, you also are entitled to take advantage of those same benefits because they're just generic to the code. So if you think about the different bankruptcies that apply to an individual, you have chapter seven and chapter 13. Chapter 13 bankruptcy essentially says, I'm going to pay you, but you're not going to get what you want. Here's all I can pay you. And you put on a payment plan and you have to pay that all the way to duration to get the discharge. If you don't pay the duration, it gets dismissed. The dismiss looks just as bad as the filing. However, you're still on the hook for making the payments that you committed to through that. And if you stop and it gets dismissed, they're going to come after you. Chapter seven says that I don't have, and I'm not anticipating having enough money to pay the totality of the debt that's out there. And so I'm asking the court to waive a portion of it. There's still this measurement that happens around how much money you make, how much money you have compared to the debt load. With chapter seven, it's not that every debt gets wiped, like federal student loans, for example. There's other things you can't do, and you're punished after the fact because you can't then apply for certain things because often many of these will discriminate against you for having filed. Now, some of that discrimination kind of waves off after like three years, four years, but for like the first year or two-ish, nobody's going to touch you with a 10-foot pole. So then the bias is, well, if you're wealthy, you don't have to worry about it. And what many don't understand is that the wealthy aren't cash rich, they're paper rich. Paper rich doesn't really mean anything. I was watching a CEO and he was saying that I know they have me as my network, this, 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 this. I find that funny because I've never had anywhere close to that in my wallet at all or in my bank accounts. And it's because he's paper rich, not cash rich. So if you, as a CEO, get a bunch of stock issued to you, that is not cash rich until you, you know, cash out the stock, which there's often terms that prevent you from doing so. So with somebody like Donald Trump, right? He actually is paper rich. He's not cash rich. He's never been cash rich. He's paper rich. A lot of what he's done has been around loans or they've been promises to pay or some other way that he's used this investment over here to pay for this or some commitment over here to pay for this. And so it's never been that he's had, he's been cash rich. That's an illusion. So like if I think back to the Battle of the Billionaires, which was an event that WWE did with Vince McMahon and Donald Trump, Vince McMahon is somebody who is cash rich. He actually has liquidity, but that's because he took pretty much and went all in on one business and then he's cashed out stocks and he's done things that have built up this nest egg off to the side. And then of course his wife Linda has her own endeavors and and what he inherited. So he has cash wealth, which is different, I think, than when you have just paper wealth, which I argue Trump has. Well, in my situation, I had cash wealth, not paper wealth. Even back when I had the home up in Washington, I still had more cash wealth than paper wealth. Owning the home certainly increased the net worth, but it didn't matter because of the loan. It kind of creates a wash. And there was a equity, but not a lot of it. So I was, I had more cash on hand than I did in any equity or any net worth outside of the, you know, the loans and everything. So 
in what I was looking at, there were decisions I made that made it easier for me to get into a home or into a department or something else that I don't regret at all. Never have regretted. The challenge is, is that now, because of all these hoops that are being introduced and companies that simply don't want your money, a lot of people are filing chapter, usually chapter seven, some of them chapter 13, because they're trying to clean up from the damage that happened during 2021. Many of those people were harmed in 2021 because you had a lot of businesses that were discriminating against people, costing them the job. This was celebrated by the government. And so now credit's harmed because they didn't bother to put a freeze to say, you will not add any negative derogatory things to credit due to COVID. They didn't do that because they knew that ultimately it's not for them. There's nothing they can do. So now the credit bureaus are discriminating against people essentially because when you hit negative credit, it's harder to get back to positive than it is much harder than it is to have started as positive. And there are different rules that people don't know, like the zip code that you're in is going to lower your credit score. That's not a myth. That's fact. I worked for a credit bureau. I know these things. In some cases, certain other demographic things that I'm not going to call out may result in negative credit because all these things working against you with credit. Certain people who were born into wealth actually have worse credit than people that weren't because when you're born into wealth, you don't think about things that get reported to your credit negatively. Like if you have a lien and you didn't realize it, tax liens and that kind of thing. So you could be wealthy all you care to, whether paper rich or cash rich, but your credit's in the tank because you didn't realize certain decisions that you made actually report to your credit and there was nothing to stop it. And it's kind of this, we're going to trust the business type thing. They don't trust you. They trust the business. And then you, the onus is on you to prove that what they said is wrong because it's all computers. So in 2021, again, there was a mad rush, arguably, of people filing bankruptcy. And the the government knew this. They actually reported it on the news. And they said, you know, this is going to be a problem because as more people file bankruptcy, guess what? Those companies don't get paid because once the debt is done by the Chapter 7, it is absolved. You can't collect on it after that fact by law. This also affects housing. It affects rentals. It affects everything. And it's a strain on the system because your court system has to be able to do the cases. You have to have trustees. You have to have the judge. You have to have all these things. Of course, the bankruptcy attorneys out there, they're making a bank, right? But it's still a strain on the system, all because the government didn't think to step in and say, look, you companies during this 2021, you are not allowed to add any derogatory entries due to if the non-payment was due to COVID. They didn't do that. Instead, what they did was they just tossed money at people little pittances and the stimulus payments that they sent, they didn't go any far. And then the stimulus, what did people do? Most people gambled with it. There were people that gambled with it. Some people bought garbage with it. Some people tossed it in the bank, didn't bother spending it. Some people tossed it in the cryptocurrency. Ultimately, it didn't serve the economy to have done it the way that they did it. And with people that are filing excessive amounts of bankruptcy, all that does is it causes a lobby to happen later to make it harder to file bankruptcy. So people that really do need it, it's harder for them to get access to it because we have locked it down because we refused to stop this kind of domino reaction that happened in 2021, even though we knew it was going to happen. I think the assumption was they misrepresented how long the pandemic was going to last. They figured, nope, we're going to be out of it in 2021 because now Biden's here. And of course that was faulty because it's endemic. It was never going to go away. We knew that it was never going to go away, but people were in denial. And the media's part to blame for that because they promoted the narrative that it was temporary. It's going to go away. We're going to get back to normalcy. We're getting close. We're getting close. We're not really close because every time you turn around, 
they're saying oh, it's an outbreak up here, there's an outbreak up here. There's a lot of government buildings that have not fully opened yet, or they still have all these things in front. The mask requirement is kind of lifted a little bit, and now they're leaving it the onus to the individual, but you still have in some places the social distancing. So that means it hasn't gone away. We knew it wasn't going to go away. But with the denial, they figured that the stimulus, which they were treating as, quote, bridge liquidity per Fauci, was this is good enough to get you by because they misrepresented how long it was going to take. They never addressed the credit situation. So now you have a strain on the system. And the reason I'm telling you this is the, the byproduct of what I'm seeing, the reason, I should better say, for what I'm seeing is the fact that they knew that all these people have filed bankruptcy, have gone insolvent, debts have loaded up, and they have all these problems, they know that that's happened. They don't want to rent to those people. They don't want to sell to those people. They're, it's like a caste-based system. They're treating them like pariahs, even though they don't really need it from a risk perspective because at the end of the day, some people still have cash, right? And then the question is, well, why don't you pay those? Well, because most people's priority was keeping a roof over your head, and unfortunately, housing prices is almost always your number one expense. So if they took and they were giving to that and then later the government comes around and says, we'll help you with the housing part of a thing with the some of the aid that went around through the CARES Act, well, that helped them accumulate some money to then get ready to either downsize or relocate or something else and they're ready to go. Now they're held back by this boundary, which is credit. And you might have other people who are still blockaded due to criminal records. That's a whole separate discussion for another day. My point is, I think, in my opinion, I think that we, as in society, have allowed the caste-based system because the media told us it's the right answer. Instead of listening when people were saying, we need to stop these companies from doing what they're doing. Like, it wasn't about shutdowns and close downs and celebrating employers, firing employees. None of that made any sense. The right answer was, let people do their jobs. That means companies should be forced to embrace remote work if that Per, that worker doesn't need to be in an office to do the job. I'm not talking meetings. I'm talking the job. If they don't need to be in an office to do that job, you need to, you are required to embrace remote work, figure it out. Then we'll provide federal subsidies for the cost to do that. Setting up a VPN, setting up VDI, setting up your remote video tools, setting up remote audio tools. We'll subsidize part of that to help you out, but you're required to embrace it. If that person's job does not require remote work and I'm not talking about meetings. So in let's say some sort of a computer technician's job. Okay, they have to go around to different desktops because they're working on the desktop, but could they dial in remotely and do the same job? The answer is yes. And could they talk the person through checking the back of the computer? Da, 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 the answer is yes. But let's say it's installing a printer to a network. Okay, you've got to physically be in an office to do that, but do you need to be there all time? No, you just need to be there for the transaction, then go back home. None of the companies really wanted to do that. So then they basically were shutting everybody down, which was causing the businesses to basically, I saw some tons of companies furloughing employees. Basically, you're not getting paid, but we're not firing you. But, you know, but people have to get paid. And then it was the forced inoculation or so-called required inoculation and lose your job, jabber job, apartheid situation. None of these were the right answer. And all of these were precursors to what we now are seeing with all of these different hoops and requirements that don't make any sense, that are just making it harder for people to do what they need to do. Because at the end of the day, anybody that's got money should be able to transact. We've devalued our money so that the last vestige is now not even an option. Ultimately, 
I don't know that we'll get back without the November blowout. I still maintain that's really the right answer is the November blowout. And we're not sure that's going to happen. I think it has to happen. I think it's the best way to make it happen, but I'm not sure it's going to happen the way I hope that it does. Time will have to tell, and I'm just not sure all the way around. It's a concerning bit. I'm I'm not optimistic. I'll put it that way. I'm not optimistic. But all we can do is hope, right? Last point, and then I'll wrap it all up. I've been talking to a number of people, and I hear the same thing from all areas, and that is that Nobody is really confident in their current situation. That's because we used to be a time when pretty much one person going to work every day was enough to pay for the whole home and pay for somebody to go to college and pay for this and this. And now even with dual incomes, there are people that are concerned and it's inflation plays a part of this. But I also think just the way that things have been pushed largely by the media and social media Things have been pushed to use more technology, more, and that creates more expense because of the whole semiconductor shortage. We've basically forced ourselves into these dependencies. So the work from home I talked about, well, you need video cameras to do that. We've put cameras in every phone, every tablet, every laptop, every whatever, and that's fine. But we had a shortage, I remember, I believe it was 2020, of certain types of cameras because they were the highest quality cameras and quality was very important to people and they had a shortage. That shortage is gone now, but now it's too late because the companies are no, they're now forcing everybody back in an office and the remote jobs are now becoming scarce because the companies never embraced it. Despite the media saying this will be the new norm. It never was. It never was going to be. My point though, is that now we're starting to see shortages in other areas, which is a byproduct of the fact that we have forced ourselves into this, situation of dependency. We depend on all these things, even with food, because food as a supply chain thing is starting to have shortages, eggs and cheese and all this. Everything is now a shortage because we've created these dependencies and we tried to force agendas. We tried to force this plant-based foods down people's throat, almost literally at this point. We've tried to force technology down people's throat. We tried to force all these things that create these unnecessary dependencies. Remember, we didn't have anywhere near this much issue getting access to core essentials 30 years ago. Not even, it was unusual to even see the level of disruption that we're seeing now. Right to this day, going and trying to just get distilled water is kind of a pain. And to the point, we started up industries now where they're creating machines that will distill water. The problem is that depends on these chips that has a shortage on the semiconductors. And as a result, they're crazy expensive. Will you get an ROI? Sure, but that ROI is like months out because of this shortage in the situation and the cost of a thing. Meanwhile, other industries, like with cryptocurrency, for the longest time, we had the shortage around graphics cards and everything else, and to some degree, we still do, but because of this disruption at the economy level, graphics cards are going for dirt cheap now, sometimes way lower than retail because nobody wants to use them because it's not profitable to do it anymore. So now... We create this dependency on a thing to the point that it becomes unsustainable in its price. Then we crap the industry out. And because we crap the industry out, now this thing, we have surplus. We can't seem to get it right with what we need and what we don't. Most of that's because we've offshored a lot of things. And we have not taken care of Americans doing these things. Our farmers, our engineers, our plants that do semiconductors, we have not kept things local. Most people didn't know 
that a lot of what we have as far as our farming, for example, a lot of it's imported from places like Ukraine, places like Russia, places, you know, north. We import a lot of it. We don't farm it here. And when there's some sort of a war or something else, we are then disrupted and then we complain. And then that creates opportunities for people like Bill Gates to swoop in and say, well, that's because we need to do plant-based, do-do. And then the truth is that that's never the right answer because all that's doing is, number one, it's not any healthier, and that's already been proven. But number two, this there's a push to stop you know, killing animals even though we've taught for decades about the pyramid, the food pyramid, and the fact that these are normal things for our body to consume. We know that there are people that have chosen a vegan life, vegetarian life. However, it was never meant to be forced on people, and we were never meant to be taking choice away from people. Where am I going with this? Whether it's food or it's the semiconductors or it's water, because we have that as a, quote, crisis. Any of these things where we're trying to, at the legal level or just the loud voices, minority voices of social media, anywhere where we're trying to take the choice away from American citizens, I don't think is the right answer. And I think all that's doing is creating more of these unreasonable, unusual, illogical requirements that the companies are placing on us because they're trying to accommodate what social media says instead of just letting American citizens choose. And each state having their unique identities for however they're going to be, whatever they're going to do, whatever they're going to support. If this state says, you know what, you can water your lawn all you care to, we'll figure it out. However sustainable or not, if that's the choice they make, let them do it. If this state says we are a farming state and we support farming and we will continue to support farming and we're not going to force plant-based foods, you can offer it, but should not dominate your menu. Let them do that. If we have this state over here that says, you know, we have too much technology going all over the place. We are going to keep our pay phones. We're going to keep this over here because we are worried for whatever. Let them do it. And then let the American people choose where they go. And then ideally get back to where the local businesses support employment of people who need the jobs without the unnecessary hoops, renting to people without the unnecessary hoops. I want to get back to where it's easier to do a thing because we want those people. We want their business. We want consumption. We want to take care of our own. And as a state, they have aligned values. And so then people can look and see this state has the values that we want. They have the principles that we support and we can go there, which positions us, I think, to then having a good picture, which states are really aligned with the voice of the American population and get away from this nonsense that I'm dealing with, with this one unnamed state where it seems like every single person out there simply doesn't want your money and doesn't want to do any business. Maybe that's a cultural thing locally. Great, but we need to get away from allowing any sort of requirement for that. I would love it where I can never be required to go to that, that they're required to support remote work, required to let me work wherever I choose, and I can live where I want to be for my own reasons. Obviously, there's more to that than me asking. I'm just saying that's what I'd like to see. That's all we've got here today on Casual Talk Radio, Gentleman's World. Hopefully, it's been informational, educational, and helpful for you. We upload every Monday and Wednesday, so we'll be back for our next episode. Whether you're a subscriber or not, we appreciate you for dialing in today. We know you've got choices. We will be turning back on our guest cadence. We are doing the screening process. That's coming very soon. Keep up to date with what we're doing at casualtalkradio.net. You can also subscribe at the bottom to get alerts whenever there's a new episode posted, or you can add it to your platform of choice. For now, take care, and I will see you on our next upload.